This is the worst storm that our Florida panhandle has seen in a century. That's how Florida's Governor Rick Scott described the monster storm that has now made landfall along Florida's panhandle. In its path, more than 375,000 people. And the path of destruction it leaves behind could be historic. This is TikTok. I'm Dave Myers. Joining me today from Boston is Bloomberg's weather reporter Brian Sullivan. Brian, thanks for joining us. Hey, no problem. So how dangerous is this storm at the moment? um, This is the fourth strongest storm uh, ever to hit the continental United States on record, Um, and those records go back to 1851. So this has the potential to be a devastating, um, destructive, and deadly monster where it came on shore. And so what what kind of wind speeds are we looking at? What kind of uh, the the strength of the water that's hitting these shores now? How drastic is all of this? So just before it came on shore, it had a burst of energy, and the winds got up to 155 miles an hour. Now, the threshold from Category 4, which it was, to Category 5 is um, only two miles an hour above that. So Category 5 would be 157 miles an hour. So that gives you an idea right there um, just how powerful this was. The storm surge itself is estimated to be between 9 and 14 feet in some areas. So, you know, just think about that, for instance. um, If you're in a house, 14 feet of water comes up up, out of the ocean, uh, there's no place to go. So what type of destruction are we going to see as that water rushes in, as those winds just keep hitting these structures? In storms like this, when these high winds, these really powerful hurricanes come in with these strong winds and they have a strong storm surge, and in a, in a geographical area that's relatively flat, as that part of Florida is, you couldn't get a situation where the entire landscape is just scrubbed completely bare mm. of trees and houses, um, cars, any, any uh, semblance of uh, civilization. And that means flying cars. That means flying debris, flying tree limbs. Right. Have people, for the most part, followed the evacuation orders? That is something that's going to remain to be seen. Yesterday afternoon, the um, the county sheriff and the county chief of uh, emergency operations got on uh, television and said that they didn't think that people were being serious about the evacuation orders. The sheriff uh, was very desperate, and he was saying that, you know, more people need to be be leaving their homes and be on the roads, and he just wasn't seeing that happen. So if people decided to hunker down and stay behind, this could be uh, a a humanitarian disaster as well as a structural one. What strikes me as odd with this storm compared to last month's uh, storm of Hurricane Florence is that we saw Hurricane Florence coming. We knew that storm right. was going to hit. Uh, but this storm seems to have, uh, I mean, popped up out of nowhere. I mean, I know it literally didn't pop up out of nowhere, but we weren't talking about it uh, in the terms of a, a, a deadly historic storm until just a, a day ago or so. Why is right. that? Florence developed off the coast of Africa, and then it had to take a very long track across the Atlantic Ocean to get to, to the United States. In fact, when Florence first formed, nobody thought it would hit the United States. That's how far away it was. This storm was kind of born out of a uh, monsoon-like weather pattern over Central America, which develops at this time of year, um, every year at this time of year. And so last week at this time, it was just a collection of thunderstorms that was part of a larger system. Um, Some people were looking at it as, yeah, it could possibly turn into a tropical depression. It might bring a little rain to Central America or the coast of the United States, but nobody 
foresaw this kind of intense intensification, this this intense growth in the wind speed in such a short period of time. And that's what I think has taken everyone by surprise, that this simply just went from an idea of a storm last Friday to, you know, here we are, uh, an almost Category 5 storm crashing into the United States. And so what changed? What was it that fueled this storm to give it the, the strength that it has now? The Gulf of Mexico waters are very warm right now, and warm water is like gasoline on a fire when it comes to a hurricane. It's what the hurricanes um, live off of. It's what the hurricanes really need to develop strength. Um, situations uh, that can stop a hurricane's development are wind shear and dry air. Well, there's no dry air over the Gulf Mm. of Mexico right now, and there's very little wind shear, so there was just nothing to stop it from growing. On top of that, the southern United States, and Florida in particular, had its warmest September on record. That that larger weather pattern that made Florida so warm also made the Gulf of Mexico warm, so you've got abnormally warm water in the Gulf of Mexico, and the Things just everything just came together in the wrong way. You know, despite the Florence being on the eastern coast and and this storm being you know to the west, how uh, how else are these storms different? Um, Florence was a very slow-moving storm, and it weakened as it came uh, closer to the coast. Florence had gotten up to Category 4 strength, and then it, it slowly weakened as it came in. The winds weakened, I should say, and it was a little bit larger. So when Florence made landfall. It was only um, a Category 1 or 2 hurricane, Category 1, and um, it had a pretty good storm surge with it. But the, the, difference, the real difference between Florence and Michael is that Florence just stopped over North Carolina mm-hmm. and South Carolina, and it just wrung itself out, and you had rain by the foot for days on end. Michael isn't going to do that. Michael is going to continue on across Florida into Georgia and will be off the east coast of the United States by the end of the week. So the so another huge difference is the wind, the wind that the panhandle is going to feel. Exactly, exactly. Um, some of the experts have told me over the years that a uh, hurricane is known for one of three things, the rain, the storm surge, or the wind. And I think in Michael's case, what we're going to remember is the wind, whereas in Florence's case, what we remember is the rain. So you were just saying how this will move east um, after, you know, now that's made landfall, does that mean it's going to come maybe back to the areas of North Carolina that were struck by Florence? Exactly. That's exactly what's going to happen. It is going to cross um, North and South Carolina. There's already tropical storm warnings on the coast of North Carolina. That's because the storm is going to move back into the Atlantic. It's going to intensify a little bit when it gets there, um, and it will bring tropical storm conditions to the coast of North Carolina. Before it does that, it's going to drop five or six inches of rain across uh, um, that area that's heavily saturated. So you're going to see a lot of the rivers in uh, North Carolina and wow. South Carolina go into flood. So all in all, what's the price tag on the damage of, of Hurricane Michael? The estimates all seem to be hovering around about $16 billion. Um, the difference between, again, another difference between um, Florence and Michael is that a lot of this damage might be wind damage, which um, will fall under insurance policies, whereas a flood like Florence, Mm. that fell under the National Flood Insurance Program. So the insurance companies um, may be a little bit more on the hook for Michael than they were for Florence. So put that into perspective, $16 billion, where where does that stand compared to other storms? $16 $16 billion would actually put it um, in the 11th place with Hurricane Charlie in 2004. Uh, 
So to, to give you some perspective on it, Katrina and Harvey are tied for number one at $125 billion. Sandy came in at number uh, four uh, at uh, $65 billion. So this is one of the most powerful storms that we've probably seen in our lifetimes anyway. So we're looking at billions of dollars worth of damage. How prepared is the federal government for Michael as it's just kind of still getting over the work it's had to do with Florence? Well, the National Flood Insurance Program was already bankrupt before Florence happened. So, um, you know, this is a program that is in dire straits right from the very beginning. And it's just going to get it's simply just getting worse uh, this year. And, you know, we've seen problems with it in the past. Some folks think Congress is going to have to step in with some kind of appropriation and and bail it out. Um, But also, you know, some of the other secondary things that you think about, well, FEMA is going to be taxed by this. FEMA had to have a huge response in North and South Carolina after Florence, and now they're going to have to have another one. And this is on top of what they had to do last year with Maria, Uh Irma, and uh, Harvey. And how much more time do we have in this year's hurricane season? Um, the hurricane season officially ends on November 30th, um, but the thing that is so worrisome about this is that um, when you look at the four strongest storms that have hit the United States, which now um, Michael is one of, the other three uh, came in um, August and September. So here we are in October, mm-hmm. which is unusual that we usually don't get these kind of strong storms in October. So. You know, what does that that mean? Is that an omen of something else? I don't, I, you know, I can't say. Yeah. But um, it certainly is worrisome that, that such a powerful system was born um, at basically what should be the beginning of the tail end of the hurricane season. You know, what's also worrisome is that the U.N. released a pretty alarming climate change report this week, right. warning against the rise of global emissions, the rise of global temperatures. Is climate change making it harder to forecast storms like Michael? One of the things that they say is going to happen um, in the the grand scheme of thing when it comes to hurricanes is that we may not get more hurricanes, but the hurricanes we get may be more intense. So it will take some academic research to go back and look at um, Michael and to see if you can attribute climate change signals to it. Um, There was obviously a link between Florence and some climate change signals, and that was that Florence was driven across the Atlantic by a a large blocking high-pressure system, which has been showing up more and more and affecting weather around the world. And one of the things it did is it didn't allow Florence to curve off and head into the um, North Atlantic where it normally would have. You know, Governor Rick Scott of Florida said the panhandle hasn't seen a storm like this in a century. We hear so often these storms that these are once in a lifetime storms, but we're we're going to have to stop getting away from calling them that because they don't seem to be once in a lifetime, once in a century storms anymore. That is, uh, you know, that, that's very true. Um, one of the things that I think is deceptive is when people talk about the 100-year storm, for instance. Um, you know, we've seen this in Houston, uh, where you have a lot of flooding and people were, were having the 100-year the storm every year, and they were thinking to themselves, you know, how can this be the 100-year storm when we're having it every year? Um, it, it really does kind of get back to, you know, how we classify these storms, and we're going to have to start looking at them in terms of um, 
you know, just what does it really mean? You know, you, if mm-hmm. you look at the the hundred year storm again, then over the course of say a thirty year mortgage or so, you know, you've got a twenty percent chance, I think, mm-hmm. of, of encountering something like that. So it's not it's not an event that only happens once in a hundred years. It means that you know. Um, there's a one percent chance it's going to happen every year, you know, and it, that builds up over time. What was it that surprised you the most about this storm, Brian? It was just so explosive in its growth. Uh, it just suddenly came on. Even yesterday, folks were telling me that oh, there's no way it can get to a, be a Category Four. There just isn't enough time between the, the where it was in the Gulf of Mexico yesterday afternoon and to where it was going to make landfall in the Big Bend area of um, Florida. And they just said, you know, there is just not enough time for it to get to be a Category 4. And here it almost became a Category 5. So we just saw some explosive power um, that just blew up. And it became a textbook, what they call buzzsaw system. Um, and and it, it just surprised everyone. Brian Sullivan, thank you. All right, thank you. You can follow Brian and his updates on the storm on Twitter. He's at Weather Sullivan. That's a TikTok for today. Thanks for listening. Please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm Dave Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers. And you get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.